Hi, everyone, and welcome to another 99 Yards Draft Talk podcast. Draft Talk is exclusively about the NFL draft, bringing you everything from analysis and interviews to mock drafts and our now signature top fives. This week, it's me, MJ, in the chair, and I'm joined by our usual Draft Talk team. Hi, guys. How are things? I'm good. Thank you, MJ. Excited to talk, uh, well, more Draft Talk again. Yeah, I'm very good. Uh, another week closer to the draft. Things are things are starting to hot up, so we're we're all pretty excited about that. Yeah, great as well. Nice to have you in the in the hot seat, MJ, and uh, excited to have a guest on. It it is a very hot seat, and, and Brian can have it back in the next uh, next episode. But as you say, we're we're delighted that for this episode we are going transatlantic, as we are joined by Daniel Parlagreco. Daniel is the author of the DTP Draft Scout NFL Draft Guide, an annual guide to draft prospects, which has been published since 2016. It's one of the most detailed guides to the draft with over 300 player evaluations. Daniel always voices his own opinions on prospects, doesn't follow the crowd. And we're really grateful that he's given up the time to be on here tonight. And we're interested in talking about his guide, his process in evaluating players, and his thoughts on this year's draft. Welcome, Daniel. How are we doing, guys? So good to uh, to be together. Nice, nice to be with you across the pond. And I'm just as excited for the draft as you guys are. So I have to ask: Is this your first uh, appearance on a UK-based NFL podcast? This year, for sure. Okay, um, I'm taking that. I'm taking that. It's a first. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's great. So for the listeners, can you give us some background about how you got into assessing draft prospects and how your guide came about? Yeah, you know, so a long time ago, um, I don't know, probably six, seven years ago now, I I forget, can't keep track of time, but kind of on more or less on some forums I was on, some football forums. And I've always kind of from the time I was a little kid, I always enjoyed the draft season, you know, as far as how teams can get better. Um, and then what happened about six, seven years ago, I would, I would write on different football forums and perhaps, um, evaluate these guys. I do whatever I can to find cut ups, you know, videos on YouTube, any other video hosting site online to try to find, you know, evaluations of these guys, video clips, and kind of write my own reports because I didn't want to just necessarily go off of the guys that were on the big, you know, networks, ESPN and such over here across the pond. Um, that were so popular. Um, I wanted to kind of have my own viewpoints, my own analysis on these guys so that I could feel like if, if they could perhaps maybe even help in different ways. And perhaps because we know even more so now there's more and more draft guys and one particular player could have such varying degrees of grades between uh, different NFL evaluators, between um, draft Knicks, you know, uh, talking heads on TV. So I kind of wanted to have my own viewpoints on a player and how that particular player can help fit in with a certain team. That's great. And, and I've got to ask, who do you support? Well, I, I've kind of, from the time I was a kid, I've kind of always been a Cowboys fan. Time I was, time I was, uh, uh, Brian's little, happy. Yeah. Yeah. I knew I liked you know, it. I, I knew something. Yeah. You know, I, um, <laughs> the more I've gotten into more of the evaluation stuff, of course, I still follow the Cowboys, but I, I try to look at everything objectively. Sometimes when somebody knows that you're a fan of a particular team, what ends up happening is they, they don't necessarily listen to your viewpoints on players anymore because most fans are only going to look things through the lens of being a fan. And I try not to look at that when it comes to the team. And I, if anything, I tend to be more critical of the Cowboys because I, you know, 
because I tend to follow them perhaps maybe a little bit more than most other NFL teams. Well, looking at your guide, I think Jerry needs your help there in Dallas. I think I think he should be giving you a call. <laughs> I think so. For me, was, uh, the question I really wanted to ask you, which is, could you could you give a little bit of insight into into your process and how you value these prospects? And uh, mainly, the, the one thing I was interested in was how do you value a player's upside or um, their ceiling rather than their their base or their floor? Yeah, you know, it's 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 really challenging. And I think a big thing with that is um, the college programs they play for. Obviously, the kids that play for the, you know, the SECs, the, um, you know, the Big Tens, you know, the, the, the big college programs, the big bowl games, you kind of have a better idea of uh, transitioning to the next level. Some of these guys that we've seen even uh, with some of the top picks in previous years that come from the FCS level or come from division three, some of these smaller programs is a little bit tougher and you kind of have to look at more perhaps traits, like you mentioned, you know, what's their ceiling and and it's tough. It's very, very tough. I think you have to hope for, obviously with with the pandemic and things, we haven't seen as much of the pre-draft festivities that, you know, um, that you can necessarily compare these players against the smaller school prospects against the bigger school programs as much as you have in previous years. Um, but you know, you, you do the best you can, you look at particular traits, you have to obviously evaluate pro days, things like that, but perhaps those games at those smaller school program players, when they competed against the bigger programs in their particular conference or in the bowl games, how did they show up? Did they show they can compete against top level programs? And if they did so, if they had, if they showed up despite playing against better competition, obviously that's going to show perhaps that they have a higher ceiling as they transition to the next level. And you mentioned about the, the current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic and the, and the changes. How, how do you think that's going to affect the way the NFL teams approach things this year? You know, um, if you've, you guys have obviously followed my guide in the past, and I, and I tend not to, even before the whole pandemic, I tended not to, you know, buy in too much of the pre-draft stuff, you know, the workouts, the pro days we're hearing about every single day. And, you know, because those things can be a little bit skewed, you know, they could be, uh, particular evaluators, obviously coaches want their players to do good for their college programs because it helps with their recruiting with high school prospects and things. Um, so I've, I've tried not to buy into that too much. I've tried to really, really specifically focus the majority of my guide on the tape and the, and the cutups I find of these guys. Um, but more or less, I think what's going to happen is I think individual scouting departments are going to rely on other teams more so if that makes sense because these scouts on these different teams they trust each other they know each other and perhaps they'll help each other out with different when it comes to medical evaluations when it comes to individual pro days that maybe certain uh, scouting departments and certain teams couldn't attend in person because they're scattered all throughout the country I think they're going to have to rely on perhaps coaches that they trust other team scouting departments, other teams, doctors more so than perhaps uh, previous years, if that makes sense. And, and do you think on that basis, do you think some teams might play it safer than usual? Do you think some, some teams are going to perhaps not pick somebody who, who, uh, who didn't play in 2020 or are, are some teams going to pick up real bargains because other teams miss on them? Uh, and, and teams will take a chance maybe on somebody who, who hasn't played as much. I think that's true. I think it's true. I think the players that sat out this past year, you know, it's kind of out of that quote, out of sight, out of mind. I think that's going to affect them. Um, and you can't fault them perhaps for their decision to sit out the year because of the pandemic. And, you know, each of these players that sat out perhaps had different things that played into their perspective as far as, you know, living with 
perhaps, um, you know, family members that are susceptible and things like that. So you understand it, but when it comes to the scouting process, when it comes to their in the next level, and especially with the fact that there's not as much pre-draft festivities. So you, you think about these players that perhaps haven't played or evaluators haven't seen in, you know, 18, 20 months, I think it's, it's going to hurt them. So there could be a chance where, like you mentioned, that these guys drop a little bit further than their talent says they should, um, because you're going to draft what you saw three months ago, four months ago, play on the actual college football field and have success in big time bowl competitions, you know, and you're going to feel safer. And I think evaluators that are also being evaluated by front offices are going to want to be more conservative perhaps with their draft picks in this particular time. Yeah. You, you've talked about the process and obviously goes without saying that COVID-19 affects pretty much how everyone does everything. Um, how does it, I guess, affect you in your preparation for this year's guide? You know, it's, it's tough. I think, um, you know, with obviously games being moved around, it's been a little bit harder. Um, like I kind of mentioned, I've always been more reliant on the tape, which is, which is a good thing. But I think if anything, you've, I've watched more perhaps tape of previous years, because especially the guys that we just talked about haven't played it all this year. You have to kind of look at 20, you know, 2019, 2018 film, perhaps if they're a senior um, of what they've done in previous years, perhaps so that you have more evidence of the kind of impact they can have at the next level. Well, definitely, we're seeing that with uh, with guys like Walker, um, Walker Little, aren't we? Where you're going back a couple of years because of because of injury and an opt out. It's, it's, it's taken a while. But going going back to players, uh, which guys do you think we're missing on then? So, so which guys are we uh, are we maybe not as high on as we should be, and uh, which ones aren't we talking about enough? You know, a guy that I think is up until the last couple of weeks has been really underrated that I've been a big fan of, and if you read my guide, you would see is um, Paulson. I, you know, sometimes the pronunciation on these guys, Adebo from Stanford, the cornerback, um, he's been getting quite a bit of talk the last couple of weeks now. So he's starting to move up boards. But I mean, you talk about a guy that's got all kinds of talent, plays for Stanford. Um, he had an unbelievable freshman season. He was probably, if not the best corner in the country, one of the best corners as a, as a freshman. And then his sophomore, junior seasons were a little bit down, but really, really outstanding athlete. And um, he deserves to be somewhere somewhere early on day two. I think I have him great as a second rounder in my guide, but really, really good player. And um, I think he's he's going to be a really good NFL player that can that can start almost immediately at the next level. Well, definitely. He, he was one that people were, were high on last year as well, weren't they? I think people, some people were, uh, were expecting him to come out. I know in the first mock draft that I did, um, I had him, uh, I think, in the teens going somewhere. And he was someone that, uh, that um, went back to college that maybe would have gone higher if he'd come out last year. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think he's I think he's been hurt a little bit because he ha- he hasn't quite lived up to his freshman season. But, you know, he's talent. The sky's the limit with the guy. And just a couple other names that I really like is a guy, a Chubba Hubbard from Oklahoma State, a little undersized as a traditional back, but track and field background. The guy had 2000 yards as a sophomore, got special teams upside. Good player. Um, I haven't seen a lot of talk about him. He should go a little bit higher than perhaps some might suggest. I like a guy named uh, Deami Brown, a wide receiver from North Carolina. And we've seen quite a number of North Carolina receivers drafted the last few years, um, but really good player. 
Um, should be a day two consideration. Um, haven't heard much talk as with him as far as day two, but really savvy guy can separate all levels of the field. Really uh, intriguing wide receiver that I think should perhaps get more talk. And as far as overrated, um, you know, I, I'm, ne I'm never a huge measurables guys. In some scouting departments, I mean, we'll see throughout the years, they draft so much on measurables, you know, length, height, you know, frame, um, combine, pro day numbers. And a guy that perhaps just had his pro day today, I believe, uh, Jason Owa from Penn State. I mean, the guy is an athletic freak. You can't deny that. Um, has huge, huge ceiling. But, you know, when you turn on the tape, you just don't see a guy that flashes all the time. You know, gets stuck on blocks, doesn't have much of a counter plan. Um, you know, he's a one-year starter. You know, he's got the physical traits, obviously, to continue to get better. But if you draft him as, as high as I, I hear people suggesting, you know, top 20 pick, I think there's going to be a lot of growing pains. There's going to be some frustration for def uh, defensive coordinators because he's going to need some time to continue to develop because right now he's a lot of traits, but not a lot of uh, necessarily production at this point in time. And another guy just quickly is I'm not a huge Mac Jones fan from Alabama. I think we've seen quite a number of Alabama quarterbacks the last few years. And I'm not just saying that because he's another Alabama quarterback who's benefited from arguably the best offensive line and skill players that college football has ever seen, but he just is um, similar, you know, one year of starting ability doesn't have great, He's kind of almost the opposite of, of Owa. You know, we mentioned Owa's got all these physical traits, but Mac Jones doesn't have the great physical traits, but he's had a really, really good year and a half for Alabama. But, you know, he doesn't have the upside. He's kind of more of a conservative player. And uh, I think he might benefit from the fact that there's four really good quarterbacks in this draft class, and he's going to perhaps benefit from those guys getting drafted so high to the point that he might get drafted pretty quickly behind them because the quarterbacks are going to probably go on a, a quick run here on the early part of the first round. I'm going to take you saying you like Chuba Hubbard because I had him in my top five running backs and I've had a paste in from some of the boys, a couple of my picks. So I'm taking a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Good player. How do you feel about Gregory Rousseau? You know, I like him. I like him. He's kind of one of those guys that you talk to you talk to five scouts, five different guys that watch the film, and you'll hear five completely different things. And you know, this is kind of a, a not a great pass rusher draft class. And we've seen a lot of really good pass rusher draft classes the last few years, and this perhaps isn't one. So a guy like Rousseau is probably going to go pretty early, and some people are going to feel like he's getting overdrafted. But I mean, you look at the production; I mean, you can't deny with the, the you know the sacks, the tackles for loss he had this year. But, you know, some guys will say perhaps, oh, you know, you look at you look at the, how he got those sacks and you really dig in. A lot of them were were unblocked and perhaps, you know, he had free free run at the quarterbacks and, you know, wasn't from him really showing great traits as far as bendability and things. But I, I disagree. I think he's I don't think he's one of the top pass rushers we've seen in the past five years, but I think he absolutely has upside. And if you're looking for a guy that you know can play on the right side of a defensive line, if you're in a four three system. Um, you know, he's got the, he's got the traits to be, you know, a really good pass rusher at the next level. Oh, definitely. The, the three of us agree that Stu's not, not so keen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You'll, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll do for us. You're high on Rousseau and not so high on Mac Jones. That fits in perfectly. Yeah. Yeah. You guys are going to just crucify me when he gets picked by the Dolphins, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
Now you've uh, you mentioned a few, I guess, your favourite guys there. Is there anyone from say the last couple of years that that you were really high on, uh, and maybe everybody else wasn't, and uh, you've been proven right? Yeah, you know, one that comes to mind right away when I think about this is one of my probably. I mean, if you look at my draft guide, you can tell my love last year was Antoine Winfield Jr who got drafted by the Bucks safety in the second round. He was my favorite safety in the draft class last year. Absolutely loved him. And he got, he got torn apart in the pre-draft process because he's a five, nine, a shorter guy. But I mean, you watched him at Minnesota. I mean, the guy, every single game was making plays. I mean, he was, he had some injury issues when he was in college, but I mean, the guy was the heart and soul of that defense and he just showed up on every single game tape. I just loved him. And I this guy is a tackle machine. He's everywhere on the football field. He's going to be such a benefit to whoever gets him. And he's going to, unfortunately, he's going to fall down the draft class because he doesn't have the measurables. And he showed it for the Bucks. I mean, look how much he transformed the back half of that defense. I mean, just, I mean, typically you don't think of a safety that, you know, can transform and really help a defense as much as he did. And he was unbelievable from day one. Uh, so he's one that comes to mind. Another guy, a couple of guys that I, I was just thinking about kind of, I liked that. I loved Fred Warner a couple of years ago, 49ers. I mean, he's turned out to be one of the best linebackers in football, athletic, rangy linebacker. So effective. Um, Matt Milano, another guy, similar mold for the Bills defense, outside linebacker, kind of jack of all trades guy that can cover a guy that's all over the football field out of Boston college. And then two big names, the two big name ones that I but were, I believe both years were, you know, one or two in my, my draft, uh, draft guide several years ago was Aaron Donald loved him I mean I watched him at Pittsburgh like crazy watched saw so much film and he got picked apart because of his measurables being a little bit shorter um, but he was just dominant from day one and then senior bowl he ripped it up I mean him and Zach Martin I remember going going at it all senior bowl and he was just unbelievable Aaron Donald I loved him and then Patrick Mahomes he's the biggest one I think when people a lot of people that follow me still to this day and age they still say you're the only guy that you know had Pat Mahomes as your number one quarterback in that draft class you were the only one I could find that absolutely loved him and you've been so right about it because I mean you watched him at Texas Tech I mean he was you know he was not your typical quarterback it was almost like he was playing backyard football but you know when you saw the the ceiling the intangibles the ability that he had to create something out of nothing and he just was unbelievable to watch him and um i had a i had a vision for the player and he got fortunately for him he got drafted at the right spot obviously with andy yeah. reed and he's um he's lived up to every one of those uh every one of those you know evaluations that i had for him and thoughts i had for him that's great so what we'd like you to do now daniel is uh we want you to provide us with some advice for the teams that we support um, as to what they should do with the first pick they have in the draft. <laughs> and we all support teams that are pretty early on in the draft. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. So we'll go in draft order. So Stu, do you want to kick us off uh, and say who it is that you're supporting? And uh, yeah, and then Daniel can give you his opinion. Yeah, I, I'm a Miami Dolphins fan and, and I'm a big fan of the, of the trade back options here, but I wondered what you, what you thought. Yeah, so I'm always I tend to be because I'm such a draft guy. I like the idea of trading back, picking up more pieces. Dolphins had a you know they had a pretty good season last year. They can obviously add a, a few pieces on on, uh, on on both offense and defense to get better. Um, you know, I, I would probably do something similar. Um, I would I would trade back, perhaps maybe grab a few grab a few guys and a little bit. I mean, as high as they are, they they can pick up 
probably a couple extra picks on maybe day two of the draft and draft some, I'm kind of, I'm trying to remember as far as overall team roster, their holes, it's, it's hard for me to remember individual teams as much. Um, but if, if I were you, I, I love the trade back option, maybe grab a guy like um, in the later, you know, later part of the first round or like um, a guy like Najee Harris, perhaps, or even one of these, you know, skill players on defense, just kind of off the top of my head. We don't have to move very far for me because uh, I'm a Falcons fan. So uh, we're only moving one spot to number four. And I guess uh, the question for, for my Falcons is going to be to, to quarterback or not to quarterback, isn't it? Um, I've been, well, I am a big fan of, uh, of Matt Ryan and I've been on the train saying that we shouldn't draft a quarterback. But uh, the more I watch um, Trey Lance, he's very, very tempting there, isn't he? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think a big thing with the Dolphins is going to be, my guess is being that high in the draft for them, what they're going to have to consider is, most likely a team at that position has everybody's assuming obviously Trevor Lawrence is going one. So a team like the dolphins, most likely they probably have another guy that they have very, very highly out of these four quarterbacks. Um, And if their guys there at four, they'll probably pull the trigger. So it's a question of, do they like, do they love Justin Fields? Do they love Lance? You know, do they love, of course, uh, you know, a guy at, at BYU. So it's just, it's just a question of who they like. And I, and I think for them, this would kind of be the right, the right time because to get a guy like Trey Lance for, for, for instance, um, you know, number four overall, it's kind of a good situation because out of the four quarterbacks in this draft class, he's probably the least ready coming from FCS to start from day one. So perhaps you give him a year or two behind Matt Ryan, you continue to develop him, let him sit, don't pressure him to start right away. And I think that would give him the best chance to succeed in another year or two. And then that kind of gives Matt Ryan an opportunity to give, give himself another, you know, the year or two to have success. So I like that plan for the Falcons. Yeah. I'm Well, we're up next, should I say, Daniel, uh, long suffering Cowboys fans. Um, <laughs> Pitt saying, I, I'd like, I'd love us to get Patrick Satan. I think he's a fantastic player. Uh, we spoke about it at length last week in our podcast talking about defensive backs. Uh, but yeah, is there anyone else you think the Cowboys could be aiming for there? Yeah, you know, this is, this is one that's good for me because obviously I know the team needs so much. Um, I completely agree. I would love it if they got Sertan there. Obviously, he's got good lineage in the family, a guy that's got all the, you know, the traits as far as physicality, toughness that you're looking for. The Cowboys have had, I mean, how long have they struggled in the back half of their defense for? I mean, it's it's been... It's been it's been a while. So the fact that you compare two uh, two high end Alabama defensive backs now, yeah. you know, together that would be that would be really really exciting. Um, you know, the thing is for the Cowboys, you know, you can go a number of different ways. Perhaps you can go offensive tackle. You you know you could go um, if perhaps um, you know the thing is they they could use another pass rusher, of course, especially if they don't resign Alden Smith, but. You know, there's not really, I mean, if, if they absolutely love Rousseau, I guess you could go, but I would perhaps be more intrigued by Rousseau if you traded down a little bit further in the first round. So, I mean, if Sertan's there, I think that would be an awesome pick, or maybe you trade down and you get at one of these tackles or Rousseau or um, perhaps like a guy like JC Horn as well. And finally, and this is where you need to be kind, because one place behind the Giants, behind the Cowboys, sorry, are the New York Giants at 11. Um, I've come around in the last week or so after the free agency signing of of Kenny Golladay to the idea of shoring up that offensive line a bit more. Um, One of those top 
tackles or Elijah Vera Tucker, somebody like that. What do you think for the Giants? And this is where you can't say like a kicker or something like that. <laughs> no, no, I think I think that would be awesome. I think if they if they got a guy that could help out their offensive line, I think you know for the Giants, you don't want to give you don't want to give Jason Garrett, and you also don't want to you know, you, you don't want to give Daniel Jones an excuse not to have success. And I think at this point in time, kind of Daniel Jones, you know, he's, you know, depending on how you feel about him as a player, this is probably a make or break season for him as far as if he's going to be the long-term future for the giants. So I think if you continue to shore up that offensive line, um, you know, you draft, you draft one of these, one of these tackles or perhaps maybe in, the, in day two of the draft, you get one of these players, you know, you get a guy like, you know, I don't know if Penny Sewell is going to be there where the Giants are, but even if you get a guy like Darisaw from Virginia Tech, Rayshon Slater, one of these guys where they're picking, I think um, that can show up one side of their offensive line. Or perhaps maybe you don't go that route and you wait for day two and you pick up a couple guys that can show up their offensive line. Because I think that's really what the Giants should more or less come out of this draft with knowing that, hey, we got all the tools for Daniel Jones to have success for on our, on our offense we know we got Jason Garrett for another season. We're going to, we don't want any of these guys to have excuses for why we don't have success this season. So um, I, that's what I, my focus would be continuing to shore up um, the offensive line because they've, they've kind of addressed the defense quite a bit too on free agency, I believe. Giants. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Thanks a lot for that, Daniel. So the yeah, final no thing, I, I thought that um, we might play a little bit of a game here, might mix it up. So I've got a couple of your last, uh, draft guides and I'm going to read out a profile from the last couple of years and we'll see if the, the the three guys on the team can guess who it is and and you can see if you can tell them whether they're right or not so first one I've, st- I've stayed fairly high profile I'm not asking you about like a seventh round guard or something like that okay. it's okay I'll fix okay. the edit we'll get it right anyway <laughs> <laughs> so the first one is from last year and it is one of the top wide receivers that was taken. So a first, first round wide receiver. This is what Daniel, uh, Daniel had put. Um, shows the ability to switch up his releases, creating unpredictability, not just a route runner. He has acceleration and quickness to match, but will frustrate because will occasionally drop simple concentration catches, but then make amazing catches through heavy traffic, possesses light frame, lacking ideal strength. Who do you reckon? Ooh. Jefferson. Think I was going to say Jefferson, but um, <laughs> a bit earlier. maybe think C.D. Of, Lamb then. Yeah, think of I the was going to go C.D. Lamb. Think of the drops. Yeah. We had a few. Or oh, it was a guy Daniel. from the Raiders. Could you go, could you go Jerry Judy? Is that what Jerry Judy. Oh, oh, really? Jerry yeah. Judy. Oh. Okay. Jerry Judy. Yeah. Okay, so the other two are quarterbacks from two years ago. So... Um, and I, I thought, considering they've now had two years in in the NFL, I thought these were were really great, okay. um, great kind of summaries of, of how it's how it's ended up going for them. So the first one, uh, so quarterback taken first round. Uh, I get all the concerns with the player, most notably his size. With that being said, still um, second favorite quarterback in the draft class, flat out playmaker, better arm, intangibles than former athletic quarterbacks. It's rare to see an athletic quarterback with such great accuracy, uh, despite his lack of experience, still shows advanced understanding of the plane of position. What year was this, sorry? 
So this was two years ago, and the concerns were made, no, most notably his size. So yeah, it's, it's got to be Kyler Murray, right? Yeah. <laughs> Kyler Murray. Yeah. Okay, and then... He's almost as tall one. as you, Brian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so last one. Um, so same year, and quarterback as well. I'm sorry, I can't be 100% behind this player as a franchise quarterback. No doubt he's ridiculously talented, excellent thrower, but very frustrating at times. Has a high upside, but it's all potential. Uh, he needs to go to the right team that can utilise him in the right way. Needs more time and experience. Haskins. Got it in one. Oh, very nice. good. Very good. Yeah. We that right. was great. <laughs> yeah, well, that was great. I, th- I thought those two, especially, were, were really great examples where these guys have had a couple of years now yeah. uh, in the game, um, and that summary was was spot on. Is there anything else yeah. anybody would like to add at this point? Everybody, this I think it's been really great, uh, really great draft talk. Yeah, it's been Absolutely. brilliant. Thank you. Oh, of course. So, so one last thing, Daniel. Um, do you have a rest now, or are you straight on to other projects? Are you straight on to twenty twenty two? And where can people link in with what you're doing? Um, no rest. I mean, as far as draft stuff, draft rest, yes. But obviously, I do a lot of other things, too, not just the draft guide. I start to focus really on the draft guide, I would say, the early part of the college football season. You know, September, October, I really start to dig in and really get into these players. But I kind of have a head start because – I'll watch a lot of the juniors and sophomores the year before. So I'll have write-ups. I probably have write-ups of for the 2022 draft class. I probably have 30 or 40 guys that I've already got notes on. So I kind of have a a decent head start because those guys ended up, you know, returning back to school. Uh, As far as where to find me, the best place is, is Twitter. You know, this year I haven't been as active on Twitter. Sometimes as you guys know, Twitter can be a little bit of a, can be a little bit of a social media toilet, you know? So I, I try try not to always go on there as much but sometimes i do but this year i haven't gone on there as much but if, if you're on twitter don't hesitate reaching out to me even sending me a direct message or anything and i get back to everybody um but as far as my draft guide amazon's the best place um just type in you know 2021 nfl draft guide and it'll probably be the first one to come up at the top of amazon so well thanks a lot thanks ever so much for for coming on to the podcast we really appreciate you giving up your time to talk all things uh draft with us here um do check out the 99 yards website and twitter page for more news views and articles we'll be back soon with more draft talk thanks for stopping by <laughs>